Hey everybody and welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast where we talk about reaching young adults in our world today. Here are your hosts, Josiah and Micah Kinnealy. What's up Young Adults Today fam? It's Josiah and before today's episode, Micah and I just want to stop and say thanks for the work you're doing to reach young adults for Christ in our world today and in your community, in your church, on your college campus. Look, the work you're doing is so vital. It's incredibly important. You are making a difference. We're grateful, we're cheering you on. And as we look to the end of 2023, both this podcast and the ministry of Young Adults Today is made possible by people like you and the generous kingdom investments and financial partnerships. So if you'd consider a year-end gift of any size or becoming a monthly partner going into 2024 we would be so grateful we are in this together look the last thing is we want you to mark your calendars for march 1st and 2nd 2024 in minneapolis minnesota the young adults today leader conference is a chance to gather together to grow together it's going to be fun it won't be the same without you in the room so check out more the links are in the show notes you can visit www.youngadults.today conference now here's for a brand new episode today Well, welcome everybody. Happy Monday. Hope you're having an awesome day so far. Welcome to the Young Adults Today podcast. We talk about reaching young adults in our world today. I'm Micah Keneally. I'm Josiah Keneally. We're your hosts and we drop new episodes every single Monday to help you start your week off strong Mm -hmm. and grow in your leadership. We're fanatical as a community about reaching young adults in our world today. And so Mm -hmm. we just want to say you're doing a great job that God is using you instrumentally Mm -hmm. empowered by his Holy spirit to impact the faith of the next generation and the work that you're doing might feel thankless at times, but it's vital. You're Mm -hmm. making a difference and God is moving. We sense in our spirit that God is shifting something significant in the spiritual realms. And today we're joined by a newer friend of ours from the West coast, Dr. Ryan Montague. How are you, man? Doing great. I'm excited to be here with you all and be able to join you on this uh, on this podcast. Thanks for the invitation. We're happy to have you. Of course, mm-hmm. if you're listening or watching, we consider it a gift. If you subscribe, leave a rating and share this episode. Today, we're going to talk a lot about singleness and dating. And um, Ryan got connected mm-hmm. to us with one of our good friends, mm-hmm. young adult pastor from Mariner's Church, Dallas Viva. So shout out to Dallas. Mm-hmm. But Dr. Ryan Montague has his PhD from the University of Missouri and he's the founder of Divine Opportunities Ministries. Before starting the ministry, he's been a uh, professor of communication management for over a decade in higher education, really specializing in emotional intelligence and in personal and professional relationships. So naturally, that lends itself really well to- Evaluating us during this podcast. (laughs) Just kidding, I'm just kidding. Tell us at the end how we did, all right? (laughs) What I was going to say, that's true. We want to grow and we want to get better. But what I was going to say is it lends itself well to um, the the season of young adulthood, where Mm -hmm. it's the intersection of rush hour traffic called adulting, where you're, it's the defining decade. And so, man, before we dive into singleness and dating and relationships, just catch us up on why you're so passionate about this. I mean, you could have gone a lot of places and done a lot of things with your degrees and life experiences, but this is where God has you. And we'd be really curious to know how you got here. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, a couple, I mean, lots of different things, but uh, two that really kind of stand out is, you know, one, having taught communication and relationships with these college students for, you know, a decade and uh, plus. And then just in the last few years, just started kind of hearing more and more really just kind of terrible dating advice that they were receiving and not just receiving, but they were entertaining. So what's an example of some bad dating advice? Some bad dating advice. I mean, you'd be surprised that even like, you know, believing Christians, you know, on the stuff of just like, you know, there's this weird tug and pull of almost like the dating apps have become almost like a training ground for polymorious relationships. Yeah. So if you're not familiar with that term, it's basically like having multiple relationships at one time, which, you know, a decade or two ago, we would have thought would have been, you know, kind of crazy, you know, especially in the, the dating Christian world. But the dating apps where all the Christians are kind of flocking and these singles are going establishes that right out of the gate is that you're talking and, and developing a relationship with multiple people because you don't really know who it's going to work out with. So you don't want to close any doors. So you're trying to keep as many doors open as you can. But what that's done is kind of fostered this sense of polymorious relationships at the very beginning stage and then left them in this dilemma of when do I close some of these doors and also leaves them in this dilemma of for this other person or other people that I'm talking to, how many doors do they have open? with ongoing conversations and relationships and and when are they actually legitimately closing those and we where do we ever begin to only just solidify this as a serious relationship between the two of us so it's just a lot of kind of confusing state of how to navigate this thing and how to operate within that and that unfortunately kind of starts people off with the wrong foot and there's a bunch of other kind of advice that gets thrown in there too but it, it sounds good. I mean, even just people saying like, well, I've had, you know, like cohabitation, um, you know, living together prior to marriage is that when they look at the research, the majority of 20 somethings believe that cohabitation is actually a good way to prevent divorce. But the social science research says the exact opposite, which is that cohabitation living together before marriage actually increases your likelihood of divorce. So that's a, that's another one as well. Oh my gosh, it reminds me a little bit of FOBO. And you and I were actually DMing about this, talking about how Gen Z sometimes, like my generation of millennials, mm-hmm. we went into so much money as a generation in millions of dollars in, um, actually trillions of dollars in student <laughs> debt because we had a fear of missing out. But with Gen Z and what you just described with the dating landscape, it's, um, you know, fear of, fear of better options. This FOBO, like what if somebody prettier comes along or I want to leave all these options open, but it options isn't freedom. Mm-hmm. It's paralysis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. When I heard you mention that, it actually reminded me of what I call the new year's Eve problem, which, you know, back in like college age, I would have this group of friends and and nobody was willing to commit to plans on new year's Eve because they, because of that fear of a better option. Well, I don't want to commit to this because then what if somebody suggests this, and now, uh, you know, what do I do? And so it was that kind of New Year's Eve problem that is existing in dating relationships, is, which is exactly right what you're saying. If I commit to this, then all of a sudden, should another option come up that's going to be a little bit better or a little bit more exciting uh, or this person, but the 2.0 version of them. And, and yet what would happen at the New Year's Eve example <clears throat> was that nobody would commit and then it would come down to like 11 p.m., 
And then we'd all just end up at some random house that wasn't all, all that exciting, settling, and then just kind of going from there. And that's also what happens in the dating market too. When you hold out for a better option for for too long, then all of a sudden you feel like, oh shoot, like now I'm in a position I just have to like kind of settle almost because the the clock is ticking and and it's almost midnight. So yeah, I think you kind of nailed it with that whole analysis. Oh my gosh. There's so m- I love this conversation because we come across so many young adults who are exactly where you're, what you're saying. Like they're going on multiple dates. They're talking to multiple people. They're looking for a good Christian man or woman. And we hear the stories and I'm like, that is a horror story. Like I, I would have just left. I would literally, I'm going to the bathroom and I would have not have come back on some of these dates that these young women are sharing with me. And I'm like, and he's claiming to be a God fearing man saying like, well, I can't wait to have sex before marriage. So this is our first date. What do you want to do? And she's like, this ain't happening, you know, and just settling along the way, but also compromising the future in the process. Right. And And not think about it, not even thinking about the consequences of those actions. And many of the young adults that we work with, maybe 25 and they're still single. Maybe they're 30 and they're like, I thought I was going to be married with kids. And this is where my mom was. And this is where I thought I was going to be. I mean, that's part of my story is like, wow, I took these inner vows along the way and mapped out my life, but that's not how God had designed it. So for the person who's maybe desiring marriage and they're single, um, what have you found when it comes to like maybe just even like the optical or the the optimal age to get married? Like, is that a thing or is that something that we've made up as a society in the process of saying I should be here and reach this goal of X, Y, Z, whether it's marriage, dating, parenting, whatever, before this specific age? Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's certainly a tough, tough question, uh, you know, for a lot of different reasons. And I think that they're, you know, I've, I really kind of worked on something along these lines with the, the college students, you know, the earlier you can catch people, the more helpful this conversation is. Of course, you know, when you get to being 30, then it's kind of a moot point and you're like, okay, we're going to, we're going to press in and see what God has for this season. So in, in this conversation, it's really about holding it loosely But also, you know, you got a lot of leaders that are working with people in that, you know, 18 plus category that should be helping to foster some of this conversation of just kind of like a future life planning. And so part of this process for me was helping them to think, okay, you know, working with 18 to 22 year olds primarily, you know, what is your life goal or or plans, you know? And so does that include marriage? Does that include kids? And if so, how many? And, you know, just kind of thinking things through. And then it really kind of came down to, okay, now let's kind of reverse engineer. So if you want to be married and you want to have three kids, then let's kind of work backwards. When do you want to have those kids by? And not just your preference, because I think that's also been a big dilemma and big problem in our day and age, is that everybody has this ability to special order everything from your Starbucks drink to your Amazon order. It comes immediately. You, know, you can get it exactly the way you want it, when you want it. And not a moment earlier or not a moment later. <laughs> and so people have taken that same attitude to their relationship and their hopes and dreams for marriage and kids. And I've even talked with married people. They're like, you know, we're not quite, you know, we want to have a kid somewhere in the spring. So we're really going to kind of hold off on trying to have. Uh, and it's just like, wow, okay. Like we really are just putting God in, in more and more of a box in terms of when he's able to deliver 
And then it doesn't happen right away, as many people can attest. You know, it doesn't always happen when you want it. And it takes, you know, sometimes months, sometimes years. And so there's this whole kind of, you know, tension that people are dealing with. So within that also, with the, when it comes to kind of the optimal age for marriage is that there are some societal parameters that are maybe not helpful, but then there's other things that are like biological. There's some that are psychological or, you know, tapping into the sexual psychology of things. Some are sociological. So for example, I was kind of having this conversation uh, and a student was like, you know, well, my mom had me at 40 and, you know, I was perfectly healthy and fine. And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Like, there's no, I'm not saying that you, that you can't, but let's think about it this way. Um, you know, your mom had you at 40. Let's say you have your first child at 40. You know, how old will your mom be before she's a grandmother? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty simple math, which worked out nice. 80. <laughs> it's like, have you hung out with very many 80 year olds like recently? You know, how, how, how involved do you want your mom or grandparents to be in this process? Because we've also got now people doing, you know, dual careers and kind of relying on if they live close to family heavily relying upon the grandmothers. But if you're 80, you know, you can't be doing the the down on the, the floor, changing the diapers and wrestling around and doing all that kind of stuff. And also thinking about it for your future generation, you know, when do you want to be a grandparent? I mean, you all have kids and you're like, mm-hmm. you probably don't want to wait until you're 80 years old or, or older to become a grandparent. Mm-hmm. And so that's one element is sociologically as generations are getting pulled further and further apart. And that also has some some downside effects to the the family and you know involvement. But then there's other things like the sexual psychology of of stuff, which is you know people's sex drive kicks in. You know what? Maybe like fourteen, fifteen, and then the average age of marriage right now is is for first marriage is thirty years old on average. And so now you're talking about fifteen, sixteen years if you have any hope of kind of going into that with. Uh, a healthy you know, sexual psychology, that means like 15 years of like cold showers. Like what do you- Harnessing you know, hormones for 15 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, or what we see mostly now is people entering marriage at 30 with a 16 year long pornography addiction right. that they think is going to magically go away when they have their vows and they actually get to have sex with their partner mm-hmm. on their wedding day, which doesn't happen. And So then you also got kind of the combination of things that are influencing this too, with the pursuit of more degrees and, you know, not just a bachelor's degree, but now a master's degree. And then it's not just a master's degree, but now you got to become kind of an entrepreneur or you got to work the corporate ladder or you got to make your, make your way. And so all of these other things are kind of being prioritized rather than the relationship building. But in the Christian world, you know, a lot of the folks that are kind of marriage material uh, at a younger age are getting married throughout their 20s that are a little bit more family-minded and family-oriented. So you've also kind of that happening as people maybe are are pursuing career over relationship. So there's a lot of different things happening, but also we have a state where people's emotional development is being you know dragged out and lengthened. And so you're also lacking the kind of emotional maturity at a younger age than people were. So part of this conversation too is like, you know, it would be helpful to move the average age of marriage back down a little bit. But if you don't foster and if your leaders, you know, aren't fostering and helping to bring about a higher and quicker level of emotional growth and spiritual maturity, then really all you're probably going to do is just lower the average age of the first divorce. So that's where, and then there's some statistics that say that, you know, if you get married at 25 or older, statistically speaking, you have a lower likelihood of divorce. 
but that's just linked with emotional maturity. So they're saying on average, people aren't emotionally mature enough until 25 or older these days. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've known plenty of college students who were more emotionally and spiritually mature at 20 than people that I know at 30 or even 40. Yep. So that's just a statistic that sometimes people hear and hang on to. Okay, well, sweet. So I don't have to worry about this till I'm 25 or older. And it's like, no, that's not actually necessary. Let's bring some context to that uh, statistic. Same thing with like a statistic that said, if you are in a relationship with a person for two years or longer, your your likelihood of divorce uh, decreases as well. Again, that's statistically, broadly speaking, which is true. But also it doesn't mean that you have to wait two years before you get married either. It's not a magical right. number is that if you are, and that's what we teach in our, our course, our kingdom coupling course. If you actually kind of know who you are, what you want, you understand how to assess a compatible partner and you're willing to actually commit, you can actually do that in a lot less time. You know, it doesn't take you two years to be able to ask the right questions, see the person in the right context, have your social support or accountability system kind of speak into that relationship, bring them around, and, and you can actually kind of move along much more quickly than that. In fact, we kind of teach that if you're not engaged by two years, you know, especially when you're over the age of 20, then it's probably time to move on. If that if you've been with yeah. this person for two years and you're over the age of, you know, 20, 22, then and they still haven't decided on you, then just move on. But there's some different things yes. that kind of go with that. Yes, for sure. Yeah. For sure. It's an amazing conversation. And I've always said that as a young adult pastor or ministry leader, you think of maybe you're discipling young adults in a local church or on a college campus, leading small groups, whatever it is. I've always said that part of your role is kind of like part life coach. And I love <laughs> touching back to the point that you were just talking about of kind of beginning with the end in mind mm -hmm. and yeah. reverse engineering a successful life in Christ. Or at the end, when all is said and done, what do you want to be said and done? And mm -hmm. looking at yeah. you're not only a pastor, but you're a friend and you're not only a friend, but you're a mentor. And I think that part of that role is having conversations about singleness and dating and what is a healthy Christian relationship look like in marriage, even parenting. I think that all of these are things that mm -hmm. the beautiful thing is scripture is not short on instruction or content if we're teaching from the Bible, we can, we literally have mm -hmm. a blueprint of what a successful life in Christ looks like. Mm -hmm. And also I think to your point on some of this is sometimes we'll have a young adult conference or a camp and, it, and it's really for 18 to 30 year olds. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, in fact, almost every larger event that we've done, we'll get people in their middle, late thirties and even forties ask if they can attend, or even sometimes in some cases show up and, and part of it. And is, why do they ask? And part <laughs> of it is they're really hoping for a future spouse. Yeah. Their motive yeah. is like, they are really coming to this event, not just for godly community or growth, but they are looking at who's available for a potential yeah. relationship. And part of it I've seen for the past 20 years where local churches haven't prioritized discipleship of young adults in their communities. And there's been a lack of young adult ministry. And so then um, people have not maybe found a spouse or found godly community. And there's that not only delayed adolescence, but they're looking and hoping for 
an opportunity to meet people, right. which is not bad. But I, I think that this shows part of why young adult ministry is so vital and important and part of our conversation or our role as leaders. Well, even the spiritual growth aspect that you were talking about, Dr. Ryan, is just like, we're yes, we need all of that. And that's why 18 to 30 are those pivotal moments of decision-making, marriage, relationships, friendships, oh, yeah. um, lifelong friendships. I mean, yeah. other couples doing life with other couples, it's incredible to be like 30 years from now, who are our friends, you know? So even asking those questions on our honeymoon of like, okay, yeah. we're asking some morbid questions. Like what do we want the end of our life to look like? And how do we tr- truly reverse engineer that, that mindset, even on our honeymoon was a unique thing to think about, but I think yeah. so. And and let me go here for a second, Dr. Ryan, there is a lot of people even listening who are holding out and and hoping for marriage, but maybe find themselves in a discouraging season right now. And they're single longer than they had planned or hoped or dreamed Mm. or imagined. What encouragement could you offer to the person who's really discouraged about their season of singleness? Yeah, I mean, that's a big one. You know, as you're talking about with kind of life planning and reverse engineering is that at the end of the day, we also have to hold things extremely loosely. You know, even in the New Testament, you know, I think it's the Apostle Paul that says, you know, say, you know, if it's God's will, you know, here's here's the plan, but you know, don't don't get too too, you know, don't hold your plan so tightly because you don't know what's coming, you know, the next day. And so you've got to really surrender that to God too, of knowing like, okay, here's here's what God has put on my heart to do, and here's the path that I'm gonna roll with. But also there's going to be some some turns that I didn't expect. There's going to be some curveballs. And and to be able to hold that loosely and that goes with singleness dating, you know, the start of a family, children and the whole nine yards. And one of the really tough questions that we got and which I think is in in this vein was at a Q&A where a person asked, you know, what would you say to somebody that's this you know, st- still single at an age that they didn't expect and now they're disappointed in life, but they're also disappointed with God. And I really, really thought about that because it was a really hard question. And the only thing that God brought to mind was get a bigger vision for your life. Was that you've got to be able to see your life, your role in the body of Christ for Christianity, for the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And you've got to be able to see it from a completely bigger vision. You know, it's interesting in Matthew 16, 23, when Jesus says, get behind when he's talking to Peter, get behind me, Satan said in the New Living Translation, for you're a dangerous trap to me, for you're merely seeing things from a human point of view, not from God's. And so Satan's dangerous trap is to get you to see your life merely from a human point of view and miss God's point of view. So that's where all the isolation, loneliness, depression, frustration, all that stuff comes in when we start looking at our lives merely from a human point of view, rather than zooming out and saying, okay, God, I really believe that all things work together for the good of those that love you and are called according to your purpose and your plans. So I believe you're going to work all things together for good. Give me a big enough vision for my life to where I can actually picture that being true at this point in time, even though I'm still single, I wanted this, I expected that, and it hasn't happened. How do you want to use me, God? is that I surrender my plans, I surrender my life, I surrender my will to yours. And what God will do is take you on an absolute ridiculous adventure in Christ and in and for the kingdom of God in a way that 
all these other people that because there's so many people that are even you know well-intentioned believers that got into a marriage they've got the kids but they're tied up and tied down and saddled with the patterns of the world Romans 12 2 do not be conformed to the patterns of the, of the world but allow for the renewing of your mind yes. then you'll discern God's will which is good and pleasing and perfect and so many people are are saddled and yoked with the patterns of the world because they've got the kids and now it's about you know getting the best teachers the best school systems the best coaches the best soccer teams you know, the best of this, that, and the other thing so that they can get into the best college. So then they, once they get into the best college, they can get the best job. And then once they got the best job, they can get the best home and then they can get the best stuff and they can get, and then they can have kids and they can make sure that their kids are all centered their lives around getting the best. Mm-hmm. And they've completely missed, they've all this time, they've built up their own kingdom and missed God's kingdom. And this is what the singles have this unique opportunity to do, even at an age where they feel disappointed or let down, is to zoom out and say, this is about your kingdom. And when I read the Bible, I love what um, what uh, a, a pastor once said when he was reading the book of Acts. He said his life changed the moment that he stopped reading the book of Acts as if it were a history book, and he started reading it as if it were a job description. And that's what I would encourage the the singles to do is start reading the book of Acts, but read it this time as if it's a job description mm-hmm. and your so mind good. will be blown away by the signs, miracles and wonders and, and outreach. And, and th- that happens as a result of that. In fact, a friend of mine, Kurt Vernon, once told me he, he was praying to God and asking God, like, you know, help me change the world. And he felt like God spoke to him and said, you need to pray bigger than that. He's like, how do you pray bigger than change the world? And he felt like God spoke to him again and said, I want you to pray to change the occupancy of heaven. Come on. Yes. It's like, that's like what these Christian singles, it's like, it's trying to encourage them of like, hey, let's get out of the funk. Let's get out of the depression over the singleness. Let's get out of your room of isolation. Let's go out and, and impact the world for Christ. Let's see you change the occupancy uh, decrease the occupancy of hell and increase the occupancy of heaven, even if it's just one person at a time. And when you do that and you pursue Colossians 3 of putting off the old and putting on the new, ridding yourself of all this kind of sinful anger, lust, all these different things, and you put on the new nature of the fruit of the spirit, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, love, self-control, two things are going to happen. One, you're going to start to see God do crazy things with you and in you and through you for the kingdom of God. And number two, you're going to become ridiculously more attractive to other Christian singles. So good. So good. Dr. Ryan, I love that you is unpacked all of that because we come across so many individuals and, and maybe I was guilty of this early on until I started really recognizing it. it's not about me and what I have or don't have. It's about the kingdom of God. And yeah. if I, if, if you can get there as a single person to really recognize and realize that God is going to use you in every single season, no matter what season mm-hmm. you're in, good, bad, ugly, single, poor, whatever, he will use you. Mm-hmm. But so many times I come across these individuals that just stop dreaming altogether. Or they stop living because they think that the person they're going to meet someday is going to complete them. Kind of like life on pause. Yes. They pause their life thinking that it's like, no, in the process of you not having what you desire or want or what may God God might have for you, you need to keep praying. You need to keep living. You need to keep pursuing because I think you already said it, like you become more attractive when you're on mission and know who you are and whose you are. There's nothing more depressing than coming across somebody who's like, woe is me. I'm never going to get married. It's like, why are you stopping? You've stopped dreaming. You stopped living. You stopped engaging. God is not going to deliver this 
magical man on your doorstep that's going to complete you because a man or woman should compliment you in marriage. And it's a hundred percent, a hundred percent coming together for 200. It's not 50, 50 to equal one. And I think so many times we, we believe this myth as people like I'll become the wife I should become when I get the husband, I'll become the husband when I find the wife that I want to marry the woman that's truly worthy of my heart. Okay. Why can't we be the people that we're going to be when we get married and become better as marriage goes on year after year after year. And when, when we isolate ourselves, when we believe the lies of the enemy, we start to really insulate ourselves and birth insecurities and allow the enemy to hold us by the throat of you're never going to amount to anything. There's no man that's going to love you, the guilt, the shame heaping on any person. So can you just talk about how does insecurity play out even in our dating? Like I'm, we're not even married yet and we got issues, right? So let's just unpack our bags yeah. and stay a while on this, is on this answer if you want to, but it's like the fear of rejection. It's the, the, the opportunity to like, hone my ego and protect my ego um, or display myself on social media in a sense of um, in image management. And then when you get across the table from that person, you're like, you ain't nothing like your, your pictures or your profile or even your personality, like who we are and God created us to be like, let's be secure in our own skin. But when they're um, the fear of choosing the wrong one of being single forever, like all these things start heaping up on us. And then we just feel crushed and we just start slouching down. I mean, like this stinks, like it's never going to happen for me. So can you just speak into that? Like, how do we identify our own insecurities and how have you seen them play out in the dating? Because oh, there's a big old bee in our house. So if I take off and grab my shoe, that's where I just went. But okay. unpack that and we'll hit mute on our end. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the insecurity thing is, is huge. And that's, you know, the, the number one insecurity that people have is I am not enough. And so that is, is we have to be really, really careful with, especially for those singles, because it's that idea of I am not enough. And a lot of these frustrated exchanges mm -hmm. on dating apps are reaffirming that in them. You know, a lot of these disappointing dates that they go on, again, are reaffirming I'm not enough. You know, they get into it, they finally get into a relationship and then get broken up with, and it reaffirms, I am not enough. And so this messaging, if they allow it, gets reinforced over and over again. And then what ends up happening is you're kind of talking about of kind of hiding or whatever it might be. But we've also talked with Christian singles that are, you know, they're, they're trying to, you know, put themselves out there, so to speak. And they're, they're maybe having an exchange on text or DM or whatever it might be. But the problem is because of this insecurity of I'm not enough, they go into kind of self-preservation mode, ego protection. And what results is that they end up texting and saying things that they think are way more direct than they actually are. So rather than being direct about asking somebody out or expressing their feelings, they're very vague about it, incredibly vague. And whether I think the, re the psychological reason behind that is the self-protection. Is that if I am direct in my ask or in or in my communication, then I could end up with a very direct rejection. And so I just heard of this comedian talking about uh, ghosting. And he's like, he's like, you know, people are always complaining about ghosting, but I think we kind of forget the alternative of what it used to be, which was just a flat out rejection directly to your face. <laughs> he's like, he's like, trust me, I've had that. 
where I've been rejected to my face. I'm like, you know what? Ghosting probably would have felt pretty, pretty good right about now. But so they're in this weird tension of like, they don't like ghosting, but they also don't like the pain, uh, the emotional pain of the direct rejection. So they're in this weird liminal space where they're not being direct and they're being very indirect for ego protection to avoid the, the letdown, to avoid the rejection. But also they never get anywhere with anybody because they're not being direct enough. And the other person then responds to their vagueness with even more vagueness. And now they don't know what to think. And then they turn the table on that person and say, why are they not showing more interest in me? And it's like, okay, like you can't have it both ways. You can't be vague with them and then expect them to be super passionate and excited about you. They're yeah. just responding to what you gave them. And a lot of that is the, the insecurities playing themselves out in this <clears throat> awkward exchange that never really amounts to anything that then further reinforces it all to begin with. So it's really getting healed from the, I am not enough, recognizing this is where you've got to really learn to walk by faith and not by feelings, walk by truth and not by lies and know the scripture that you are made in the image of God. You're mm -hmm. God's son or daughter, that you are co-heirs with Christ that you are the righteousness of God, that you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, is that so many things are, you know, that you're part of a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a chosen people, God's very own possession, is that sometimes we can say those things and be like, oh, yeah, 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 I know, I know that. And it's like, <laughs> I don't think you do based upon that response. Yeah. And, but they're so frustrated and and their eyes are so fixed on, on their singleness or their wilting hopes and, and life plans that they fail to really believe that for themselves. Because if they did, it would change that dynamic, knowing that I am enough because I'm in Christ. Yeah. That I am enough because of, like you said, who, who I am and whose I am. And then that gives you a different level of confidence and conviction, knowing your life purpose, your life goals, your values, and, and where you're headed and why that takes you into being able to be free to express yourself because you know that this isn't a blow against, against my ego. Once you realize that, Hey, I've done the work on my end is that so many people are so focused on kind of finding the other person, finding the one as if they're the prize, but they feel it fail to realize that you too are a prize. And when you realize that like, Hey, I'm a prize. Like I've done the work I've put in the, the time of the spiritual growth, the emotional growth. I've put in the time to overcome you know, family history and family of origin issues and problems. And like, I've prepared myself to where I'm a prize. Should somebody, you know, get, get, you know, we, we both be blessed to, to yeah. be able to move forward, but I'm also not going to live waiting for that moment because the, the idea of like, that's all I, we've got a whole guide on why the idea of finding the one might be keeping you single. And there's this scarcity mentality and other things that factor in that with their insecurities <clears throat> that are also, played out with the fear of social rejection and it's created this, this mess, but it ultimately comes down to the problem that people don't truly believe who they are in Christ. They're not truly walking in that truth. They're believing the lies of the enemy. They're getting frustrated and then their minds getting kind of distorted around this topic. And that's why I tell singles all the time, like right now, today, there are millions of people desiring to be married. And at the exact same time, there are millions of married people desiring to be single. Mm -hmm. So marriage is not your, yeah. not your solution. It's, it's that there's something bigger going on here that you need to, again, kind of zoom out and get a collective uh, understanding of, really see it from God's point of view, and then wisely move forward from there.
That's so good. All I can think about is this image that when you were talking earlier of these two people expecting to have a conversation and they're face to face and one like responds and like turns their head. So it's like when two people turn away from each other, they kind of turn out from the relationship. If they even desire to like go on a second date or they desire to see if this is going to line up or what's, what do you call to? What am I called to? And all I can envision is these two people having a conversation, but their back of their heads are what's having the conversation, expecting the other person to fill in the blanks. And I think when we can, I always say like, if we understand, if we read the word of God, we will understand the will of God. So when we're reading the will, the word of God, we know who we are, whose we are. We're getting direction. We are believing the truth because when we are thinking negative thoughts about ourselves, it's like you're just entrenching even deeper and deeper and deeper into our mind of like, I'm nothing. I am not worthy. I am, I am not enough. Like if those are the words we keep telling ourselves, those are the things we start to believe. And when we believe it, it becomes a truth to us. And then we start living out that truth, quote unquote, of like, yes, fill in the blank. This is how I am or who I am. No, but when you're in the word of God, you understand the will of God. And if it's God's will for you to get married, if it's God's will for you to remain single, if it's God's will for you to wait or, you know, open up a conversation with somebody, I think that is the beautiful part. Like God's given us free will, but we have to be willing to become the person in the process of our singleness. So when they do come, both parties are ready because there's nothing more disturbing when you meet somebody that comes to you that's an incredible man of God or woman. And you're just like, oh, I wish I had somebody I could almost just introduce you with, but nobody in my sphere of friends is ready or taking the relationship with Jesus serious enough. Mm-hmm. And as a friend and like a sister in Christ, I don't know if I set you up with any of my friends. They're all taking the ones that are awesome and the ones that are kind of bopping around, aren't really living it out, you know, or vice versa. So to see young adults take their walk with Jesus seriously to, to own their singleness. So when they do get married, it's, it, it doesn't become a curse that you live out, but it's a blessing from the Lord. Cause you didn't settle along the way. So, um, yeah. just sorry, do you have a question? Uh, I cut you off a quick comment sorry. To, because I think ghosting is so prevalent Yeah, games and ghosting. And I would just say this, I think that clarity is kindness. Mm. I, so I think clarity is kindness. And the other thing I think is that it's good for you to reject some people and it's good for you to experience some rejection. And, and I know that's a bold statement, but you know, I, I just think that uh, as painful as it is, life is a contact sport and it's good for you. It, it builds grit, it builds perseverance, it builds endurance. And I think that um, I would be just a proponent of asking people out on dates I would be a proponent of communicating with one person at Mm -hmm. a time. I would just kind of set some of those parameters and to be kind and clear. And if, if you're not interested to be so forward as to say that, and I'll, I'll create a, a, just a quick illustration. We, for our nonprofit of our ministry, we do some fundraising and um, I would always rather hear we're not in a position to give. We're not going to support. It's just not a fit or whatever it is. I had a call a couple of weeks ago with somebody. It took 12 minutes for us to catch up, for me to cast the vision and just ask if that was a conversation. And it's they weren't in a season. And I said, thank you so much. We take no just as graciously as yes. And now I know because sometimes in the process of fundraising, it's a maybe. And then you need to chase the maybes. The maybes <laughs> for it might be 12 weeks. 
I would rather know in 12 minutes. And maybe that's just my temperament or personality. But I think that clarity is kindness, whether it's a startup raising funny money, not funny, funny money, <laughs> raising some funny money. Um, but I, I think that it's just really important to be clear. And then that ghost, I mean, if, if somebody's, if you're not interested, what a gift to you and what a gift to them. To that be just clear. shows maturity. Don't yeah. you think if you're going to be ghosting and you're only not even dating that person, do you really want to marry them? If they're going to be playing games yeah. in the early on process, like to me, that's exhausting. I am not about the game of the ghosting or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. Well, and, yeah, well, I mean, what you're, what you're touching on is one of the fundamental things when it comes to psychology and communication is our desire and need to reduce our uncertainty. And, you know, so if we walk into a room, you know, we're, we're kind of looking around, taking it all in to reduce our uncertainty about our settings and what to expect and what's about to happen and take place. Same thing with people. We kind of size people up. We're trying to reduce our uncertainty. And this is where social media can be helpful or hurtful. But I, you know, tell these Christian singles that when it comes to your social media profiles, your, your, your feeds, your dating profiles, your number one goal there is to help other singles reduce their uncertainty about you. But it needs, so you want to be as clear and as accurate. And one of the examples I use is when Jesus cursed the fig tree, is that the reason he cursed the fig tree it was from at a, from a distance, there were, I believe it was the leaves. He could see the leaves, but there was a sign that if there are leaves, then there's going to be figs. And so from a distance, what he saw of the fig tree would indicate that it should have figs. And then when he got up and realized that it didn't, it only appeared to have figs, but had none. That's when he cursed it. And it was an illustration to the Pharisees and the hypocrites that uh, to say, like, don't don't present as if you have fruit when you do not. And it's the same thing when even Christians or, or all people are creating their online uh, profiles and their own online presence is that you want to be true to who you are throughout the process. You want to really honor what you truly believe, think, how you act, your preferences, your interests, your likes, your life goals, your values, because that's going to help other people reduce their uncertainty about you if it's actually true and accurate, because you can't properly assess future compatibility with a person when one or both people are being fake. Otherwise, you're creating a false sense of chemistry and compatibility built upon the fear of man that produced all of this kind of output and outward display of these things that you think what people want to hear and see. So that's where that clarity and that uncertainty reduction, same thing when they're looking at other people's profiles, they're trying to reduce their uncertainty. But also that uh, I think you know, one of the key for you know sharing with singles too in this process is to give people a little bit more of a chance than they would uh, get out of your type and 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 actually give people an opportunity. And we've kind of found time and time again, talking with singles that when they met somebody in person and actually got to know them, they started to warm up to them, really like them and actually ended up marrying many of these people. And they said, had we met or had I just seen their profile on a dating app, I would have swiped right by them. And this is the person that they're now married to <laughs> saying the person I'm married to, had I only experienced them through their dating profile, would have swiped right by them because they, they weren't looking for the right things. They didn't have the discernment through the right filter and through the, light, the right lens. So that clarity, that reduction of uncertainty, 
and having good wise judgment is 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 everything i agree i remember as a young adult pastor at a local church i was early in ministry i was single and there was a, a couple from another country that had actually um been an arranged marriage and as i got to know them i shared a meal with them in their home they had me over and i love to banter and have fun that's just a part of who i am but one of the things that became clear is they were sharing their story with me and um, they didn't have dating profiles but the word on the street about each other the guy he had found out about the girl that she loved the outdoors she loved hiking and skiing and all of the activities and and they got married and what she really liked to do was shop and be inside and go to the mall. And he, he was just like really disoriented. He was really disappointed. I'm like, I mean, do you guys love each other? Like, are you going to stay married? That was my humor to the situation. And they did and they were, but, and they but, are. <laughs> but I think that that ties in with your, and they're still married. They're happy. They've got kids, but um, that was just a, a point to the clarity and reducing uncertainty is mm -hmm. because sometimes we think that, oh, we're compatible in this way. But if we're honest, maybe mm -hmm. we're not. And so I think that yes and amen to what you're saying. And I'd just be curious because of your background, Dr. Ryan, this is both with dating, but it's with relationships and community and loneliness and all encompassing. What would you say a few keys to win friends and influence people would be for a young adult, whether it's in all of relationships mm -hmm. and community, whether it's in dating and relationships, what are a couple of things interpersonally of how we can grow to win friends and influence people? Yeah, just relationships across the board. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, you got to gotta go with some of the, the easy kind of biblical ones of, of gratitude and thankfulness is is going to be huge i mean there's a reason why why god told us to to be grateful to be thankful to start our prayers with with that of thanksgiving because it just it orients you to seeing things from a bigger perspective it it makes you more optimistic it makes you more positive rather than just starting with the list of list of complaints and so that's the number one thing is be careful you know with with how much you complain and what you complain about because that can really impact people uh, really heavily in that initial impression and ongoing relationships is that you want to be a fountain and not a drain. You know, you want to be a giver and not a taker. And I think a, a grateful heart and a grateful person does just that. They show up with value and something to add to it. Um, and then also something that's really been displayed for me is, is being around people that like pray you know, they legitimately not just like kind of pray before a conversation or, or whatever, but they like, you know, together as a group, but they know like, okay, I've got this, you know, this meeting with so-and-so tonight, or I'm meeting up with, with this person on Wednesday. And they're genuinely like praying about that ahead of time. And, you know, one, they're being thoughtful about this individual. And so the thoughtfulness and the intentionality are some other traits that go a long way. Thoughtfulness and intentionality are huge. But also that gives you a head ahead of time, you know, a heads up to, you know, what God might want to say and do in this so that they don't just hear from me, but maybe there's an opportunity to hear from God that, that leads to something far more profound that I end up saying something I wouldn't have ever said because I put in and invested that time. And then, the, you know, the last one is I've got some friends that are ridiculously encouraging and, and, and I could, you know, I definitely, you know, have been trying to grow in that area. 
of just like really being encouraging of people and being people's cheerleader. And I think the 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 way that you do that is by really lowering um you, you've got to really eliminate all signs of jealousy, envy, or competition amongst people. Once you level that off, then you can become a great encourager of all people because you know that when when they win, we win. Yeah. So good. Josiah is a great encourager. And it's awesome. It's not jealous of others. So I think that's fun to even hear that, that he demonstrates that every single day. He's like, you can never out encourage, you can never over encourage anybody. Everybody needs encouragement, no matter oh, yeah. how like positive they are. Like they, everybody needs some fresh words of encouragement. So that's so good. Absolutely. Speaking of fresh words, are you ready for the challenge? Five and five. Okay. We have five minutes on the clock. Five okay. questions, rapid fire. You ready? Ready. Woo! All right, right here. What is God teaching you lately? Ooh. Oh, man, so much. All right. What's the... In the start of this ministry, one of the things that he taught me was the difference between saying you trust God and genuinely trusting God. Because in starting this ministry, leaving higher education, leaving a career... I mean, I was only in that career full-time for 10 years and it took me 10 years of education to get to that career. And then I left to do this. And so there's obviously financial things, fundraising, like you're talking about. And I got to a point where I was kind of like frustrated and, and, and there was this thought in my mind and God finally just said, just say it. And it, the thought was full and utter and complete dependence on God is the worst, which I knew was a total lie from the enemy. But that's what it felt like. And then he spoke and said, well, the reason it feels that way is because you don't actually trust me. Like, yes, if you have full and complete dependence upon someone else that you don't trust, that's going to be miserable. But if you have full and complete dependence upon someone you do actually trust 100%, then it's the most freeing and amazing thing you could ever possibly do. And it's actually the best. And so that just expressing that and that honesty has really, really helped immensely in the last six months. That's awesome. Hi. That's Love good. It. That's so good. Oh man. We're having a great conversation. And what would you say is um, one of the best pieces of advice that you've been given? One of the best pieces of advice? Yep. Ooh. I think even in my father-in-law, you know, would when it came to like prophecy, sometimes people would come and kind of declare these prophecies on him. And, you know, some people are doing that from a really healthy space and other people might be doing it from a little bit of an unhealthy space. They could be projecting, they could be, you know, doing a whole bunch of stuff there. And so he would always say to them, uh, he would always say, you know what? I also hear from God. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray about that. And if God confirms it with me, then absolutely, I'm going to press into that. But if God doesn't confirm it with me, is that okay if I just kind of like let that one pass? And I think that that's been really helpful to realize that people are going to give you all sorts of advice. And it's going to come from really well-intentioned people that are even really strong spiritual mentors. But nobody gets it 100% right. And God is doing something, again, unique and one of a kind in every one of our lives. And so you got to be careful with, with, with receiving advice. 
you know, and again, if it's coming from well-intentioned people, like 99% of the time, you're probably, or 90% of the time you're going to take it on in and it's going to better your life. But there might be that 10% that God says, no, I've got something else in store. It's not going to look the way that it looks for you as it did for them. And even though that advice is well-intentioned and coming from a good place, it's not for you. And I think that's been really, really helpful. That is so good. Helps sift through those comments, concerns. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Ryan, here's a curveball of the five and five. If you could ask Josiah and myself a question, what would you ask us? Anything. Anything? Keeps us okay. on our toes. All right. Well, I have selfish questions that I would ask more about the ministry related stuff, but for everybody's sake, I would say, how, how has your marriage and relationship in this season looked different than maybe what you would have expected when you were, when you were single? Were some um, su- pleasant surprises or, or plot twists? Yeah. I'll go with the plot twist. First of all, it's like growing up, I always thought and hoped and dreamed and imagined for kids. One of the things that it's, it's just difficult to comprehend, at least it was for me is like, you are their parent 24 seven. And so somebody's got to watch them. It's, this is, especially our kids are just so young. They're three and a half and two. And so I think that like we have a pastor in our life who used to tell us when we were young, married, mm-hmm. newlyweds, he'd be like, go get appetizers every week. No matter how do tired it. you are, I'm get out. out. <laughs> They're half off, go do it. And I was like, I-, I thought it was a strange thing. And now I understand what he was saying is it's like, we didn't have to get a babysitter. We didn't have to really think it's just back out the car and go. And I think that that's um, been such a blessing is being a dad. I love being a girl dad. That's mm-hmm. been an unbelievable blessing. But it's also been a plot twist of like, oh my goodness, some of the the unique the unique things of the intentionality that is now required of us to prioritize a conversation with each other or a date night. That when we were single, I just had no clue. It was built in, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make any sense? Yeah. No, 100%. We're, <laughs> we're there with you. We got three oh. kids, uh, 11, 9, and, and 6. So... We're, we're right there with you. Oh my gosh. And I would say the plot twist, I think I would, I would say the, the, the rhythm and the cadence and the speed that God has, I don't want to say elevated us, but what we've been able to do and see in the six years of marriage. So we both had been from started young adult ministries in different churches. We led for five years on a college campus as missionaries to a local community college, and now we're doing nonprofit. So the uniqueness of us is we've been in the church, we've been in the mission field, in state, on a college campus, going to them, and now we're reaching people around the globe over in, in over 60 countries just through social media and stuff. So I think what we've been able to do, see, and see God do in and through just our willing hearts mm-hmm. of like, just use us. Yeah. We've had people in their early 60s say, you guys are 30 years further than we are, like where we were when we were your age. So what God is doing you, keep living it out, keep riding the, like get on the ride and buckle up and just stay in cadence with him in the process. So I'm very grateful for that. And it's like, okay, Lord, like, who are we? We, when we wake up in the morning, it's not, oh, we have to go to work. It's like my biggest prayer for myself in my early 20s. And before I met Josiah, I was like, I want to get to go to work. Like, I don't have to, like, I get to, like, there should be this, 
I can't wait to see what God's going to do in our day, not just living, but the work day itself. So I think that has been an overwhelming sense of joy and just thankfulness and gratitude for him, um, to him for what he's done in the short amount of time we've been married. I mean, six years and we've been able to see, do and travel and speak, teach, just experience a lot of God's miraculous miracles, I think in the process. So mine's a little different than yours, but anyway, question number four. Is it my turn? Yeah. Um, Ooh. you gave them the curveball. Ooh, I'll just turn. go this way. Hey, there's gonna be Dr. Ryan's single adults listening, young adult pastors who lead ministries, a variety of people. And whether it's somebody who wants to connect with you more or take one of your courses or Ooh. download some of the worksheets that you've referenced and guides to dating. I think of a couple that I, I stumbled across today were um five keys to successful Christian dating, five keys to a compatible relationship. Some of your courses too. talk about how people can, can maybe get plugged in more with you or take a course. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the easiest place to go is kingdomcoupling.com, kingdomcoupling.com. Uh, also, most of the social media handles are at kingdom coupling for the single and dating relationship topic. And kind of two options that we have for, for your leaders that are watching this. We now have it set up to where we've got a two-month dating mindset transformation. And it's fully set up to where if you want to roll that out as a like a life group, an eight-week life group, then it's fully set up. You just roll it out. It's got a calendar that they follow for watching videos, for reading particular guides. And you literally just get to facilitate and it's all ready to go at your disposal and application. So that's amazing for, for leaders to be able to implement uh, whenever they would like with their with their 18 to, to 30 year olds. And then also for those that are actually kind of single themselves, you know, we've got uh, ongoing courses. So you can enroll in the course and you can kind of begin and go at your own pace. Or every two months, again, we're doing these two-month dating mindset transformations. So we're about to start a new one at the beginning of November. And then uh, we have a cohort of Christian singles that all go through it together. And they exchange, you know, takeaways and questions in the WhatsApp chat group. And we have a weekly group group Zoom coaching call that we do on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So it's an amazing, amazing spot to be able to learn, grow, and build community with other Christian singles. And I promise you, this is a Christian, this is a, you know, a singles dating course that is unlike any other. I think a lot of people have preconceived notions about what that's going to be. And, and it just runs so much deeper and, and brings about so much more transformation and change that equips them with confidence, conviction, discernment, yes. and, and a readiness to move forward. Yes. And prevents any more damage that has been done, but healing to probably be restored in the process. Love that. Okay. So check that out, everybody. This is the last and final question for you, Dr. Ryan. If you could give every listener one word of advice or encouragement, what would you give them and leave them with today? All right. That's a good one. One word of encouragement. I guess it would be the the seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added to you. Again, holding the everything else will be added to you loosely because God will bring, again, some amazing gifts into your life you would have never thought to ask. And he will save you from some of the gifts you've been asking for that wouldn't have been blessings at all, <laughs> in fact. But it all, but you will, but if you don't seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what was meant for to be a blessing will end up being a curse because you won't have the kind of character and integrity 
to receive it at the position. In fact, I was just feeling that sense of like, you know, God, it constant. We were talking about with somebody that says, you know, God is never too early and he's never too late. He's like, it is like, it feels like he's late a lot though. (laughs) It's like, he's always on time. He's always on time. His time. (laughs) Then it's that idea of like, you know, the reason he's often feels late is because we're on, because we show up early unprepared. And so he's got to wait for that really to develop and grow. And then that's why he's always on time in that sense. So prepare your hearts, press into the kingdom. One of the things that really challenged me immensely was that it was a random meme on social media that said, if all of your prayers were answered, would it change the world or just yours? And that really hit me at a time in a season where I was like, wow, like all my prayers are so self-centered and so selfish. And I'm seeking my kingdom first, not God's kingdom first. So that is a big, big mental shift and spirit shift that does absolute wonders for your walk of faith and for your life. That is so good. Phenomenal. We just want to say, Ryan, thank you so much for um, that word and just your investment into single young adults and this community of young adult ministry leaders today. Absolutely. Well, thank you all for, for pressing in in your marriage to be able to do this as a kingdom couple and to be able to create this space and really sacrifice, you know, your, your lives and, and to the, the cause of, of Christ and for bettering the body of Christ. And helping out these young adults because it's a pivotal season that that really sets them up for tremendous success for the kingdom well into their life. And, and that's, you know, I think we have similar stories in, in that, you know, part of my desire now is to help people experience in 15 months what took me 15 years right? <laughs> or, you know, 15 weeks. And it took me 15 years because I didn't have people. I wasn't following people like you. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to learn and do so much of it on my on my own, or just it took way, way, way too long. And I think if if people that are 2023, 20, like I would have been at that season, if I would have found something like this, man, it would have expedited so much in my life, spiritually, emotionally, and, 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 and otherwise too. So thank you all for doing what you do. Yes, thank you for saying that. And if you, the listener, want to get to know more about Dr. Ryan Montague, check out the show notes to how you can get some of those course materials. And you are listening to the, F- oh, I was at FYI, you're listening to the Young Adults Today podcast. Just kidding. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Young Adults Podcast. If you enjoyed it, feel free to subscribe. We've reviewed and shared this with some of you.